Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast, uh, Vroom Vroom, etc. I'm Josh Clark. With me, as always, is Charles W. Chuck Bryant. That may have been the most realistic uh, Harley Davidson impression made by human mouth ever. Thanks. Vroom Vroom, etc. Yeah, I was practicing that. It's good. So, Chuck, how you doing? Oh, I'm good, dude. About to start the old Thanksgiving break vacation. I know. This is the last thing we have to do, and then a week off. Yeah, but this will probably come out after Thanksgiving, and people will be like, what? Yeah. Weird. Weird, indeed. Mm-hmm. Hey, uh, can I take you back in time? We don't have to go to the Wayback Machine. I'm just going to paint a picture for you. Okay. All right? Yeah. So, uh, a balmy Saturday night, April 27th, 2002. Okay. Do you know where you were? Uh, I was living in Los Angeles. Okay. So it probably wasn't balmy for me. Okay. It's probably clear and cool. All right. Well, not too far away from where you were in a town called Laughlin, Nevada. Oh, yeah. There is a Harris Casino. And on that uh-huh. night, a couple of guys who were there for the Laughlin River Run, it's a motorcycle uh, run. Sure. Ride. Right? Yeah. A guy named uh, Jeff King and Walter Boos. Two, two buddies, just normal guys. Right. Uh, we're walking into the casino, uh, the Harris at, at um, Laughlin. Right. And this burly guy pushed past him and said that uh, they'd better get the blank out of the way because trouble's about to happen. Sure enough, within two minutes, uh, King and Boos hear uh, two shots fired and then another shot. And then all holy hell breaks loose in the middle of this Harris Casino. Yet they remained after giving the warning, I, I take it. Yeah, they did. I, I, would, I would have been so gone. They actually did remain because um, one of them testified later on that a guy pushed past him going the other way out of the casino holding a long knife with blood all over it. <laughs> so this thing, uh, this, this casino erupts into a melee. And what had happened was uh, the Mongols, a motorcycle club. Uh-huh. You might call them a biker gang. That's what some people might say. Ran into a uh, the Hell's Angels. The Hell's Angels Motorcycle Club. Yes. And uh, again, all hell broke loose. A melee started. Uh, sure. Two Hell's Angels died. Wow. And one Mongol died. Just like the old days. Have you seen this? Have you seen the security video of it? No. It's nuts, dude. Oh, you know what I did back when it happened, I think. I yeah. Remember. They uh-huh. go absolutely crazy. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of what happens when the uh, Hell's Angels encounter another rival group they're not too fond of. Yeah, especially the Mongols, from what I've read. Apparently, they're arch enemies. Sure. So, we're not going to talk about the Mongols today. That may be another podcast in the works somewhere all, all down the road. All respect to the Mongols. We don't want to offend them. Seriously. <laughs> we're total squares. Yes. We have no affiliation whatsoever. No. But we do have an article on the site here at HowStuffWorks.com called How the Hells Angels Motorcycle Club Works. Yes. Chuck and I kind of um, cooled it up by calling this podcast How the Hells Angels Work, right? Yeah, and that's what generally most people think of them as the Hells Angels, but that is, in fact, their full name. Yes. And that's what's adorned on their... Uh, their jackets and such. <laughs> Nicely done. And by the way, um, I think 42 Hells Angels stood trial for that melee. Really? And all but six had charges dropped in a plea bargain. Uh-huh. The government was trying to go after these guys and go after them and go after them, which we'll find out later is a real pattern. Right. Um, and couldn't get anything to stick. And I think uh, the most any of the six guys who actually uh, did plea uh-huh. to got like 30 months, something like that. Bad casino behavior was Pretty the much, charge. yeah, right. 
Yeah. You didn't kiss the dice before you rolled them. Right. So, Chuck, let's talk about the Hells Angels, man. All righty. Let's do it. Vroom, vroom, et cetera. Uh, the Hells Angels, Josh, the little history, they were uh, started in the Fontana, uh, San Bernardino area of California. Which, by the way, I don't know if you know this, but the Hells Angels refer to that chapter as Burdu. Burdu. And Burdu is still around. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They still remain, although they said, I think I read that most of those original Burdue members did migrate north to Oakland, mm-hmm. which is why a lot of people think that it started in Oakland, which no, is not true. false. Yep. So Burdue was the first chapter. Burdue. Who started it? Uh, the best we can tell, a guy named Otto uh, Friedley. Yeah, that's that's how I pronounce it. In the that. late 1940s, 1948. Yeah, and actually he was with another biker gang called the Pissed Off Bastards, and they'd gotten into a war with oh another. I so much more. It is a pretty good one. Honest. Um, they got in a war with another biker gang, and I guess once the war was over, Friedley said, I'm out. I'm going to go start my own thing. Right. Maybe you, that could be our side This war name. was disappointing. The Pissed Off Bastards? But 1948, Chuck, <laughs> um, that's uh, right after World War II, right? These guys must have been disenchanted um, servicemen who couldn't fit back into society. Miscreant and, pilots? Right, yeah. Wasn't there like a bomber squadron called the Hells Angels? <laughs> yeah, Josh, that is one of the most common misconceptions is that the Hells Angels were, in fact, uh, ex-servicemen, uh, outlaw pilots from World War II. Miscreants. Miscreant drinkers who were, you know, didn't say answer to anybody even in the army right not true no because uh we read it on the hell's angels website yeah if you go onto the hell's angels website uh one guy from uh, the charleston south carolina chapter and another guy from one of the english chapters uh got together and did some serious extensive research yeah trying to find out if there was a connection mm-hmm. between this bomber group and at no point did they say we're not you know, miscreant drunks, but these guys weren't. You know, it's right. kind of a disservice to these uh, actually really highly decorated and very successful bomber squadron right. servicemen. And they couldn't to, have to operated. They were miscreants. And been successful if they were drunks and miscreants. No, and they were highly successful. The, the closest they found, from what I can understand, is that a guy named Arvid Arvid. Arvid. Arvid Olson was actually in a uh, third pursuit group called the Hells Angels. And he was friends with some of the founding members of the Burdue chapter. Right. Um, but he was never a Hells Angel himself, and that's the closest they could find yeah. for a link between the two. They share a name, and that's it. That's it. From what we can tell. Yeah. So, false, false, false. False indeed. So, Chuck, we've got uh, the founding in 1948, but right. the Hells Angels, I guess, kind of rode a little under the radar until 1957, right? Yes. When that Oakland chapter was founded. Yeah, that's when they really started rolling. Right, thanks to a guy named Sonny Barger. Yes, Ralph Sonny Barger. He, uh, I believe, founded the Oakland um, chapter. Yeah. And he wrote a bunch of books that were really successful that kind of... uh, Kind of peeled back the curtain behind the Hell's Angels. Mm-hmm. Or in front of I, the I Hell's was uh, reading one of them on Google Books today. Uh, it's called Hell's Angel: The uh-huh. Life and Times of Sonny Barger, I think, and it's an <laughs> autobiography. Oh, cool! Because the he kept using the word "I" and it was by him. Um, <laughs> you're you're a, a detective. That's a sure giveaway for an autobiography, usually. Um, and he, in his heyday, was a very cool dude. It sounds like it. I'd like and to also, read that. let me let me uh, let me also. Um, Add a caveat to that. I'm also aware that he was also a major drug trafficker uh, who engaged in violence 
um, and toward women, toward squares like you and me, Chuck, uh-huh. um, did all manner of bad things. Sure. But he was still kind of a cool dude. Right. <laughs> yeah, and we'll talk about that, too, a little bit later, about the Hells Angels and whether or not they are uh, one to run afoul of the law or ride you know, for charity and stuff like that. Well, what are we going to talk about now? Right now we're going to talk about, um, let's talk about their, their colors and their insignia and all that stuff. Okay, man. They call it their colors, much like a military people call like their uniform their colors sometimes. Right. And uh, red and white are the actual colors of the letters. Yep. It's uh, uh, red letters on a white field. Yep, absolutely. And, and then the, the thing at the top, uh-huh. the top patch that actually says Hell's Angels, they right. call it the top rocker. Top rocker. Right. And then the bottom rocker is their... Um, the the name of the city that their chapter's in. Yeah. Right? Their chapter location. Right. And then Very in nice. the middle is what? In the middle is the Death Head, is what it's called. Mm-hmm. And that is copywritten as Death Head. <laughs> it is. And uh, as is their name. Yeah. And uh, that was designed by uh, the San Francisco uh, chapter president, uh, Frank Sadilek. Sadilek. And Chuck, I can tell. here's an interesting fact for you. Did you know that the Hells Angels Motorcycle Club is a California corporation? Really? They're incorporated. And They're yeah, not a they gang do, either. They do jealously guard their uh, copyrighted oh, yeah. materials, their images, sure. all that stuff. Yeah, they sued Disney for what? that. Uh, they sued Disney a couple of years ago for that movie Wild Hogs about uh, all the middle-aged uh, bikers, yeah. Martin Lawrence Tim, and um, Tim, uh, what's his name? Tim Allen and Travolta yeah. and William Macy. Just terrible. I'm sure I would have sued too. I can't believe you saw it. No, I didn't see it. Are oh, you okay. kidding me? All I saw right, okay. saw that they sued. Yeah. So what did they sue over? These guys weren't supposed to be Hell's Angels, were they? I think so. They sued because they said they used the Hell's Angels logo and everything without their permission. Huh. I don't know if they were specifically. Yeah, but I wonder they if the antagonists the were Hell's Angels or something. Maybe, but all I know is they sued, and I couldn't find, as usual, you can never find out what happens with the lawsuit. No. It's probably some deal. Yeah. But yeah, they sued because they are, like you said, they, they zealously guard their name. And uh, they ride Harley Davidsons, but apparently are not required to do so. No, but it's um, they almost exclusively ride Harleys. I, I can't imagine if you wheel up on a Honda that they're gonna say, yeah. "Come on in." Yeah, come on in, brother. <laughs> yeah, we'll jump you in, prospect. Um, they also apparently a typical member drives about twenty thousand miles a year. Really? Yeah, rides, rides. We will get I smacked told down. You if we square, <laughs> dude. Say that you drive a motorcycle. Yeah. So, Chuck, you've seen. You know, we talked about the patches, and and you've seen guys wearing them here, or there, right? Well, yeah. There's different patches. Like if you're the president of your chapter, you'll have a little patch that mm-hmm. says, like the Boy Scouts, sort of. Yeah. And there's all sorts. <laughs> oh man. There's uh, all sorts of other um, patches and insignias. Sure. That um, no one outside of the the club, gang, whatever, uh, knows the meaning of. Right? Oh, really? Yeah. I know the AFFA is a common one. But we do know the meaning of that because it's one of their slogans, which is uh, "Angels Forever, Forever Angels." Nice. Which, and then uh, you'll also see eighty-one a lot of times. Yeah. Uh, eight is, H is the eighth letter of the alphabet, and A is the first letter, so eight one H A Hell's Angels. Yeah, and they'll say, call it like local eighty-one. Sometimes it sounds for like a union. And apparently, they also refer to themselves as one percenters. I heard about that too. Yeah, one percent of the. Uh, Outlaw bikers giving 99% of respectable bikers a bad name. Yes. Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah, it is kind of. <laughs> I told you. So, Chuck, how do you become a member? Well, Josh, uh, like I said, you need to uh, own a working motorcycle. That's probably first. <laughs> and have a driver's license. And have a driver's license. Yeah. That's, that's funny that th- those are rules, but it makes sense. Uh, also, you can't 
ever have applied to be a police officer or prison guard. I got another one. You cannot be a child molester. Hells Angels don't like child molesters. I know. They really don't. Good for them. Yeah. Because you know what? I don't either. The Hells Angels have a longstanding hatred of the cops. Um, and with good cause. Sure. Pigs, as they call them. Sure. Um, Hunter Thompson, uh, our, our shared hero, yes. wrote about the Hells Angels, and we can talk about that a little more in depth. But um, he said that he, he was talking about the, how the average Hells Angel views the establishment or the law. Right. And he said, he knows that somewhere behind the moat, the main cop has scrawled his name on a blackboard in the big briefing room with a notation beside it. Get this boy. Give him no peace. He's incorrigible like an egg-sucking dog. <laughs> so apparently that's how Hell's Angels tend to view um, the cops. Yeah, why couldn't we get Johnny Depp to have read that? Wouldn't that have been great? Maybe we, we No. No. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been great. Uh, so back to membership. Uh, if you want to be a member, it takes a little while. Sometimes it can take a year or more Yeah, to become a full patch member, as they say. So you start out as a hang-around. Yeah, that's Basically, what it's called. Basically, you just hang around them. But you're you're invited to hang around. Like, you can't just hang around oh, and really? be a hang-around. They'll say, what are you doing here, uh, Square? Get out of here. Drive your motorcycle on out of here. Or they'll hit you over the head with a, a tire iron. Right. <laughs> when you drive up in your Volvo <laughs> right. to hang around. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you're, you're invited to hang around and you can attend, uh, some events evidently as a hang around. Uh, then you are made an associate if you do a good job as a hang around. How do you do a good job as a <laughs> hang around? I would guess, this is just a guess, but if I was a hell's angel, I would say that you don't cause a lot of trouble. You're fun to be around. You, you bring chicks to the party. Sure. That probably didn't hurt. No. Uh, okay. So <laughs> after the hang around, you become an associate and then what? Uh, you become a prospect, and this is apparently full acknowledgement that you are in the pipeline for official uh, membership consideration. Yeah. Do you remember when we did our uh, Fight Clubs podcast, uh-huh. and we talked about how Fight Clubs, especially in California, are often used to like jump in prospects into gangs? Oh, yeah, sure. These would be the people who are on their last night, right? and they get thrown into like a cage match with a bunch <laughs> of other people, Yeah. and it, I imagine it gets pretty ugly. Yeah. No, thank you, is what I say. Uh, and actually, if you're in a prospect at this point, you can participate in the club activities, but you cannot vote. You don't have voting privileges yet. <laughs> I know that seems funny, doesn't it? Yeah. That they vote. Yeah. It's democracy. Yeah. And Josh, what's after that? After that, my friend, you are a full patch member. Yep. You are allowed to wear the Death's Head logo. Uh-huh. You can wear your top and lower rocker. Yeah, you get your jacket. Yeah, and um, apparently, and this is this is uh, one of those things that it may or may not be lower. It could be, it, who knows. But apparently, during initiation, there is a um, bucket filled with feces and urine passed around and dumped on the person, and they're never allowed to wash their colors. So that's on their on their jacket forever. Uh, well, that's not fun. No, it's <laughs> not. Um, and I I I don't think that this is correct. Apparently, our buddy Hunter T wrote that. Oh, really? And um, Did he get in trouble? He didn't get in trouble. He got away with murder. Apparently, not um, literally. No. Okay. But uh, Sonny Barger said that that's just not true. Okay, that doesn't sound like it'd be right. It seems like they would not want to uh, desecrate their colors. That'd be gross. Yeah. 
That's just a thought. All right. And I'll give some advice. If that's what you're doing, guys, knock it off. <laughs> you should respect your own colors. Advice for the Hells Angels <laughs> from Chuck Bryant. The end. So now you are a full patch member. Yeah. You're in the Hells Angels, and um, you're, you're a member for life. That's why they say angels forever, forever angels. There is no retirement. No, there's not. And uh, I- even if you're not allowed to associate with the Hells Angels anymore because of uh, your terms of parole, sure. you're still considered a Hells Angel. Right. Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah. So, Chuck, um, let's talk a little more about Hunter T. Okay. He, liter- he literally wrote the book on Hells Angels. Yes. In uh, the mid-60s, early mid-60s. He wrote an article in 65 in The yeah. Nation. Yes. And then that article got book uh, publishers sniffing around. Saying you should write a book on this. Sonny Barger also wrote, wrote or uh, read that article. And oh, really? He liked it, and um, he said it was a little exaggerated, but he liked Thompson's writing style. Of course. So when Thompson started hanging around some of the bars that the uh, Purdue chapter, Oakland chapter, hung out at, I think it was Oakland. Uh-huh. Um, they, uh huh. They they finally uh, introduced him to Sonny Barger. Right. And Barger said, "You know what? Fine, you can hang out with us." Um, in return for two kegs of beer, which, by the way, Hunter Thompson never paid up on. Uh, um, no wonder and, it went south. And Hunter spent the next year yeah. hanging out with the Hells Angels. Apparently, he um, helped them unload shipments of meth, like plane loads of meth. Yeah. Um, he helped them. He went on a gun run with them at least once. Right. Uh, when they got into it with the cops, he apparently jumped into his car and pulled the trunk hatch down on him. Uh-huh. And Sonny Barger said that that was it. He was like, after that, I never looked at Hunter Thompson the same way again. He yeah. figured out he was a coward. Right. But he was also kind of a skinny guy and a literary type. So Yeah, I don't think he ever claimed to be a wise with the fisticuffs, which is why he carried guns. Right. <laughs> and then finally, this whole thing ends, this whole association ends um, when Hunter gets the crap kicked out of him by the Hells Angels, some of which he considered friends, right? Yeah. Well, actually, what I read was that he later said the ones who actually did the beating were the ones he wasn't hanging around with the most. Gotcha. And they were sort of uh, on the on the fringe there. You know what happened? Well, I I couldn't find. I heard they he made a remark at a party. He did. And I couldn't figure out I couldn't find what that remark was. A uh, hell's angel by the name of Junkie George had his dog <laughs> Hippie with Rob? him. Hippie Rob? No. no. Okay. No, this is not Hippie Rob. <laughs> right. man. Um although I could see Hippie Rob knowing Junkie George. Sure. Um anyway, Junkie George had his dog with him and his dog bit him and Junkie George kicked his dog. And Hunter Thompson walked up to him and said, only punks slap their old ladies and kick their dogs. And Junkie George did not like that one bit. That's what started it, eh? Yep. So he um, he put the smack down on Hunter Thompson. A bunch of other guys jumped in, and Hunter Thompson drove himself to the police station. The police turned him away, and he drove himself to the hospital right. where he was treated. And he never hung out with the Hells Angels again. And that was the end. But he did publish the book, uh, Hells Angels, The Strange and Terrible Saga, of the outlaw motorcycle gangs. Right. And apparently a lot of it was exaggerated, but this is where Sonny Barger said he wrote the book for law enforcement. Right. Like law enforcement all read it and they're like, oh, well, sure. this is what we're dealing with. And a lot of it was right. exaggerated. Well, gang rape was in there. And I don't know if that was exaggerated or not, yeah. but he said he witnessed gang rape on more than one occasion and that they used it as a form of punishment. Yeah. And uh, he said that they admitted that it was a form of punishment. The Hells Angels did. Yeah. So I'll say allegedly here, but it was in the book. Thompson apparently also lent his notes to another journalist, at least equally good, by the name of Tom Wolfe. Yes, of the uh, 
of the Right Stuff fame, as well as the electric Kool-Aid acid test? Yes. Um, the Hells Angels factor hugely in the electric Kool-Aid acid test, which is actually about the Merry Pranksters. Right. And uh, I think in 1965, the Hells Angels went to the Berkeley-Oakland border uh-huh. and beat the tar out of some uh, lefty anti-war protesters, college students. Right. Beat them up and then vowed to break up any anti-war demonstration they ever came across. Uh-huh. Um, so Hunter apparently it took um, Allen Ginsberg, the poet, right, and Ken Kesey, the uh, leader of the Merry Pranksters, and introduced him to Sonny Barger, then went off his own way. And uh, that meeting kind of made peace between the hippies and the Hells Angels. Well, they and took they acid together, right? Famously, yeah. Yeah. And I think Ginsburg even wrote a poem about the Hells Angels. Yeah? Yeah. I couldn't find it, though. Okay. But I, I would like to see it at some <laughs> you point. Sure you didn't dream that? <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> it was a beautiful poem. Now, he really did write a poem, though. Okay. It's funny thing about Alan Ginsburg hanging out with the Hells Angels. I know. It's really weird. Especially, like, the head Hells Angel. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, Sonny Barger said that he loved acid, and it was the one thing that he, uh, his people and the hippies had in common, or one of the main things. And they did uh, plenty of the acid tests at La Honda and right. just did all sorts of crazy stuff with the pranksters. Sure. Yeah. Those were the days, huh? Those were the days. And, actually, let me say another thing about law enforcement. Apparently, when Hunter Thompson was hanging out with the Hells Angels, their um, their their influence and their membership was drastically on the wane. Oh, really? And then a guy named Thomas Lynch, who was the uh, attorney general for California at the time, uh-huh. he issues a report on the Hells Angels, and it is ridiculous and bloated and exaggerated. Right. And but apparently, it just blew up the Hells Angels street cred, and all of a sudden, they were just their mem- they have more members than ever after that report. Huh. Yeah. So sometimes it works against you yep. when you try and quash something. Yep. So I guess we should talk about um, some of the good they do and some of the bad they've done. Because there's divided opinion. The Hells Angels, uh, they raise money for charity. They're famous for their uh, their uh, work with the Toys for Tots. Right. And they do charity rides and stuff like that over yeah. the years. And I think they've cleaned up their act a lot probably now compared to the, what it was like in the 60s. But uh, they've had some scrapes with the law Many, many times along the way. Yeah. Uh, notably at Altamont uh, Speedway. That was a big one. Yeah, we can't talk about the Hells Angels without talking about this. This was the Altamont Free Concert, and it was um, famously recorded in the concert film Gimme Shelter. It was apparently the day the 60s died. Is that what they say? Yeah. Is that the, what that stupid song is about from uh, that guy? American Pie? Yeah, he's not talking about that. Is he? No, that's about the death of Buddy Holly. Uh, that's the day the music died. Either way, screw him. I hate that song. <laughs> I do too. Anyone who can listen, sit, still sit down and listen to that song all the way through, <laughs> write in, and I've got a prize for you. You're a special person. <laughs> We're going to send your information to the Hells Angels. So uh, back to Altamont. Um, it was a free concert there, and a bunch of bands played. Jefferson Airplane, the Rolling Stones, the Dead was supposed to play. They uh, helicoptered in, and then yeah. by that time, things had gone south. Well, yeah, they uh, the Stones helicoptered in, too. And what what happened was the Stones hired the Hells Angels, although there's been back and forth over the years that whether or not they were hired for the show by the organizers or whether the Stones specifically hired them as their personal security. And it's a he, he said, she said type of deal uh, with the Stones saying, we did not hire them specifically, and the Hells Angels saying, yes, you did. You said you'd give us $500 worth of beer if you, we would we would be your bodyguards. 
So uh, they show up. They park their bikes between the audience and the uh, the stage. Uh-huh. Stones go on, and actually, before this happened, the, the violence had been escalating at this at this show. Free show in the '60s at Altamont. It was not good. There were, I think, two or three deaths and numerous fights and beatings breaking out. And uh, one of the uh, Hell's Angels smacked down Marty Balin of Jefferson Airplane, knocked him unconscious. And the Grateful Dead see this, and they're like, "We are out of here." Yeah. This is not our scene, and we're not going to play, and we're leaving. Yeah. And they got back on their little helicopter and left. Uh, have you seen that footage? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, Gimme Shelter's great. If, if you guys haven't seen that, you should definitely watch it. Um, so back to the Stones. Stones takes the stage. Things start to devolve into violence, and a guy named uh, Meredith Hunter pulls a gun, points it at the stage. Mm-hmm. You can see all this in the film. And he gets jumped and stabbed to death by Alan Passaro. A Hell's Angel, mm-hmm. famously. And the concert stopped, and uh, you know the Stones had a pretty awful time with the PR, obviously, about this. And apparently the Hell's Angels um, were exposed for plotting to kill Mick Jagger for criticizing them after that. Yeah, true. And uh, Pissarro actually got off uh, scot-free. Yeah, He was acquitted. Yeah, because the, the film clearly showed that, that that guy had a gun, and he did pull it. And so uh, he... Who is he aiming at? They don't know. They said it was toward the stage, and um, you can't really tell from the footage, from what I remember. Yeah. But um, you know, the reports were that he was going to kill the Rolling Stones. Right. <laughs> Which I, I didn't know that that was going to happen back then. So the Hell's Angels already had a pretty rough reputation. This is this just cements it, right? Oh yeah, big time. So they just kind of go balls out, um, which is a motorcycle term and not a vulgar expression, by the way. We learned. We did learn that. Um and. Uh, by, d- throughout the 70s, they own the market on methamphetamines. Yeah. Apparently, just the Purdue chapter alone, this is a law enforcement estimate from 1979, right after they staged a raid on that chapter's clubhouse uh-huh. where Sonny Barger was. Right. Um, that this, this chapter alone controlled five meth labs that could make $160,000 worth of pills a day. Wow. And this is 1979, man. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. So uh, they don't call it like biker speed for nothing. It was because the bikers, specifically the Hells Angels, cornered the market on methamphetamine in the 70s. They were also they also sold, allegedly sold cocaine, heroin, pretty much anything. Sure. Uh, prostitution was a big one, apparently. Yeah. And over the years, they've been um, indicted and accused and uh, booked for... Everything from uh, rape to, to murder. Uh, Sonny Barger himself was in federal prison for four years mm-hmm. for conspiring to blow up a rival gang's clubhouse. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the gang was. Probably the Mongols is my guess. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, they've run afoul of the law quite a bit over the years. They definitely do. But if you'll notice, Sonny Barger got four years in federal pen, right? You never hear yes. about a Hell's Angel being put to death. By God, you would hear about it if it happened. Yeah, I would imagine. You would never hear about them getting life imprisonment. So you start to get the impression after everything you hear about the Hell's Angels, but then these piddly convictions that are slapped against them, that maybe they are right in thinking that law enforcement and the establishment has it out for them. I think they definitely have it out for them, and they probably have participated in illegal activities throughout the years. But it's a big organization, and like you said, if there's... You know, a small handful of, of actual convictions compared to their vast history, that's, you know, that's not too bad. <laughs> I guess it's not. I'm not saying they're bad. great guys or anything, but it's not like they've been run up on, uh, like you said, murder charges like all over the place. Right. 
Although last this week they were in the news, uh, the L- the Vegas cops raided six Hell's Angels locations in Las Vegas, and they seized records and knives and evidence because uh, last year there was a brawl once again between the Mongols and the Hell's Angels, and uh, I think two Chuck, people were stabbed. Allow me to interrupt. Okay. If we have anything to impart in this podcast, it's if you ever find yourself in the same room, same yeah. building, the same parking lot, same town, as a bunch of Mongols and a bunch of Hell's Angels, yeah. get out. Do you know what happened in Vegas, though? It's actually kind of funny. Huh. Two people were stabbed, so it's not funny. It's but not it was at a, uh, they both show up at a, they were double booked at a wedding chapel. A Mongol wedding oh, yeah. and a Hell's Angels wedding were both booked at the same wedding chapel at the same time. Wow. Not good. No. And I'm sure the person who booked that didn't wasn't brought up on charges or anything. No. When, in fact, they're probably the ones that originally are to blame. They sat back and went, whoa. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, Chuck, what started out in Purdue and then blew up in Oakland has grown into, like, a worldwide organization. Yeah. Whether or not it's an outlaw biker gang or whatever, um, they have uh, legitimate chapters in how many countries? 29 countries. How many chapters? One, more than a hundred. Yeah, in all sorts of places too. I think in 1984 they um, had their first South American chapter open in Rio. Crazy. Now they have them in um, Greece, uh-huh. Russia, Czech Republic, Wales, Luxembourg, Luxembourg, <laughs> the Luxembourg Hells Angels. Yeah, and I don't know why that's um, funny to me. Apparently, the ones in Europe are going nuts these days. Are they? There's a huge turf war that's been ongoing in Scandinavia. Australia's having real problems with them, too. Uh. Um, and there's things like, you know, rocket launchers showing up. Wow. Grenades being used, like See, in these gang wars. Yeah, that's not the, like the old days with knives and fists. A rocket launcher. Yeah. Yeah. That's a different deal. I told you I was square. The, uh, the first, uh, chapter outside the U.S. was in New Zealand in 1961. Yeah. And little known fact, George Harrison of the Beatles, God rest his soul, is allegedly responsible for bringing the Hells Angels to England. Yeah, he invited a couple. Invited a couple of dudes that he met in San Francisco, invited them over to England, they come over and hang out, and boom, a London uh, Hells Angels chapter pops up afterward. Yep. Pretty cool. Yeah. Or is it? I don't know. <laughs> and uh, right now, Poland and Iceland are currently seeking chapters, so good luck to Iceland, <laughs> is what I say. Go Poland. Yes. All good right. Luck. Good luck with that. So that's the Hells Angels. I'm quite sure that there's a lot, a lot, you could even say a hell of a lot more sure. information out there that we'll never oh, yeah. find out because, again, Chuck and I are squares who will never get to hang out with the Hells Angel ever. Never. Mainly because we don't want to get beat up. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm not a big fan of throwing punches or taking them on the chin. Yeah. It's just not me. No. I'm a fan of running away. Um, if you want to learn a little more about the Hells Angels, you can type that into the handy search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. Uh, you might also want to go onto the Hells Angels Motor Club website. It's pretty interesting. It's got links to other chapters, too. And also, congratulations uh, to the Purdue chapter on their 60th anniversary, which Huzzah. they recently had. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, since I said the Purdue chapter, I guess that means it's time for listener mail. Yes, indeed, Josh. I have a uh, couple of corrections here for a change that we're going to acknowledge. What do you mean for a change? <laughs> well, we haven't read corrections in a while. First off, I want to say that Bernie Getz, Bernard Getz, is not a serial killer. I mistakenly said that. And Spree killer, right? He didn't kill anyone. 
he shot some guys in New York. No one died. Yeah. And he was not even uh, convicted of, of attempted murder or anything. And he's still alive and living in New York. And I feel like a big jerk because I got him confused with Charles Bronson and Death Witch. I was dead wrong, and I'm man enough to admit it. I'm sorry, Bernard Getz. You didn't, you're not a serial killer, yeah. obviously. Yeah. So I apologize for that. Okay. And we had p- angry people write in about that. Dude. That one lady, man. It's like Bernie gets his sister or something. I though. think she was. She was scary. But I do feel bad because that's not right. Okay. Uh, we have a quick uh, correction. Remember the Tlingit in- Indians that we were trying to pronounce? Mm-hmm. Apparently, it's pronounced Clinkit. And we had people write in from Alaska. Matthew. Actually, Matthew's from Seattle, Washington. He wrote in and says it's pronounced Clinkit. Clinkit. So there you had that. Thanks, Matthew. And then finally, we have another correction. Uh, remember when I said about the Amish not being able to listen to us. Rumspringa. And that if they actually wrote in, they would be liars. Not true, because no. of what? Rumspringa. Yes, we had uh, Farmer John of New York write in and said that... We had a few people write in on this. Uh-huh, the Amish... Uh, every Amish teenager, nearly every Amish teenager, goes on Rumspringa, where they effectively leave the community and live with us regular English folks, Americans, for a period of time. Mm-hmm. And they are... Free to indulge in the things that American kids indulge in. Drugs, drinking, smoking. Whatever, if they want. And podcast Gambling. Listening. <laughs> podcast listening is, is definitely one. So evidently we could very well have been heard uh, by an Amish person. Here's my argument to that. Okay. Okay, so they go on Rumspringa to decide whether they want to live with the English or stay in Amish. Sure. During this period, in my opinion, they're in some sort of middle ground between the two. So they're technically not Amish. Uh, so if one of them on Rumspringa heard this, gotcha. send it in, I'd be like, dude, you haven't made your decision yet. I don't want to hear it from you. Or what if they heard our podcast and were so taken with it, they refused to go back to the Amish lifestyle? Or if they heard it and hated it so much they <laughs> went screaming back <laughs> to mom and pop. That's more likely. Yeah. So thank you, Farmer John in New York. He says, P.S. I am not Amish, but I'm a lowly cow farmer. Although Rumspringer would be pretty sweet, is what he says. Yeah. So I encourage John to just go on his own Rumspringer. I went on my own Rumspringer. I'm still on mine. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you have a story about your own personal Rumspringer, whether you were Amish or not, uh, you can send in an email to stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Want more How Stuff Works? Check out our blogs on the HowStuffWorks.com homepage. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?